0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs and chapter number one, the book of Proverbs and chapter number one, we are continuing with our series of the five types of fools. It's a little mini series that we are doing on Wednesday nights. However, this is an important series for us to be able to discern where people are at and how to practically help them move forward in the state that they're at. Now last week we had talked about the simple fool and we gave some characteristics of the simple fool. That the simple fool is just someone who is naive, simple, they're easily uh, fooled, they don't understand consequences. But we also explained that within this series that these are not individual fools but rather they are a progression or or a degression of fools. That if the simple fool is not taken care of, he will go further into worse, fool dumb. So notice with me, if you don't mind, as we start this off, the book of Proverbs chapter one, and this is our jumping off text for the entire series, notice with me Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and then we'll pray. Lord, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm just asking that you would give grace and that you would give mercy, give us understanding, help build this in our minds and our understandings and help us to have a proper application of how to deal with some of these people we have in our lives to deal with them correctly and biblically. Lord, I'm just asking that you would help people to be dead to self for themselves, that they'd be willing to hear and obey and that they would be able to trust your word above all else because you are a trustworthy God. You know us. For me, I know that I'm very limited now physically having some health issues. But Lord, you can move beyond that and use me in spite of me, not because of me, and get your own work accomplished, and we're trusting you to do that even now. Thank you, Lord, and please let this be a help to many people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) In the Hebrew language, there are five different words that are translated into our English word, fool. And each one of them are going to have a representation of fools that we're going to find in Proverbs. We had the simple fool that we spoke about last week. We had the silly fool that we're going to speak about today. There's the sensual fool, the scorning fool, and we end up with the steadfast fool. Now, a fool is someone who does not follow the wisdom of God. Now, as a definition, you can do something foolish without being a fool. A fool is someone who has a habit or a standard in their life, continues to not follow the wisdom of God, to follow their own path and their own way of thinking. Now distinguishing these fools will help let us know when to counsel and the type of counseling they should receive. Now there are different degrees of fools and that's what we were speaking about. Each one of these make a digression. They go through the steps bit by bit by bit and they need to be stopped from where they're at so they don't go too far. Now, this week, we're going to study the second fool, the silly fool. Now, it started off with a simple fool. The simple fool is someone who just (laughs) doesn't understand that there's consequences, easily deceived. And yet, if that fool is not stopped, if that fool is not taught that there's consequences, then they will progress to the silly fool. The silly fool, the Hebrew word is evel which we would have our word evil, by the way, evil, one that has morally missed the mark. His rejection of parental authority has caused him to violate his moral purity. Sometimes it's out of curiosity. The word literally means to be thick, like thick headed or stupid. And we're going to see why as we describe this type of fool here. That he is someone, because he has not been raised correctly, he has rejected biblical authority. That's the key phrase here. They rejected biblical authority. Why would someone reject biblical authority? Because their authority was not an authority if you don't have consequences to your action, a rule with no punishments is no rule at all. So notice as we go on. It carries with it the idea of someone being insolent or twisted. Their thinking is not right. Notice what the Bible has to say concerning the fool in Proverbs ten twenty one. Each of the uh, ones of fools I'm gonna show you today are all going to be this fool here of this silly fool. The Bible says in Proverbs 10:21, "The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom." Here's the key verse for the silly fool. He goeth after her straightway as an ox to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. This carries the idea that this is where the fool is going to. This fool needs correction. And if he doesn't get corrected, he is going to need a strong punishment. The silly fool reacts to instruction and wisdom and disregards it. So that means there's a choice there. This is where the parent says, hey, Kate, little Billy, you need to do this. And they go, no! They heard the the instruction and they purposely, intentionally disregards it. The Bible says in our key passage here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools, the fools used here is this silly fool, despise wisdom and instruction. Notice that word. They despise instruction. They are told something to do like by a parent and they purposely despise it. Starting to get a picture? Well, let's paint some more. He believes his own way of thinking is right. So he's disregarded his, his parents authority. I know my mom said to come inside, but I don't want to. He's determined that he is correct and mom is incorrect. By the way, it's not cute on children, but it looks even worse when adults wear this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearken to counsel is wise. Proverbs 12, 15. So here, this idea of the silly fool, the way of this silly fool, it's right in his own eyes. He thinks he's correct. I don't need someone telling me what to do. I can make my own decisions. I know that it's raining and hailing outside, but you know what? They don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to be fine. It is useless. This is going to be important. Parents, pay attention to this. It is useless to argue with a silly fool because the only way. Now, listen. This is where I get parents who fight with me now. The only way they will learn is by discipline and punishment. I understand the modern world who rejects the Bible thinks that if you go grab a rebellious child who is screaming at mom, I'm not going to obey, that you could talk some sense into them. You can not. You see what got them there in the first place? Mom and dad never taught them biblical authority. They never discipline them. So because they never discipline them, the child now believes that mom and dad don't have any authority to do anything about it. So they could talk all they want, but it doesn't mean anything to them. The only way to correct this fool is by discipline and punishment. Now, for those of you who are familiar with me, I'm <laughs> a, a Police chaplain for 13 different police departments. I cannot tell you how many times we have gone to someone's house. They call the police, hey, yeah, can you come and correct my child? He will not go to bed. All the time. And you know, the police and the pastor have the same message to those parents be the parent. May I underscore this? This is not the child's fault. It is the parent's fault 100%. They were not the parents. They refused to be the parents and now they're starting to reap some of the early consequences for it. May I say early? It's only gonna get worse. They must learn to correct that behavior. If they refuse to go to bed, There needs to be a consequence in a way that they understand. Taking away their TV from their room, they shouldn't have one in there in the first place, is not a punishment they will understand. Biblical correction is the answer. You see, now you have to choose, is God right or are you right? And by the way, you're going to prove if you're a fool now. Because either you accept God or you disregard God's instructions. Fools will produce more fools. You say you're not winning popularity contest. I'm trying to give you the Bible because we're trying to salvage people. We're trying to help. Either God is correct or you are and your children watch you. They know that if you're obeying God or not, by the way, you discipline them. By the way, discipline is a loving act. It is the most loving act you could do for a child. Bible has some Bible verses for that. We'll see a little bit later. But this is key. This is the parents doing. They refuse to obey in the, or obey biblical authority in the first place by disciplining their kids and now their kids are getting worse. They're going they created this, they will have to fix it by going back to the Bible and obeying biblical authority and finding what the Bible has to say of correcting that behavior. Counseling and talking with them will not work. Taking away their toys will not work. They need to have a biblical correction in a way that they will understand to fix them. I understand the tone and tenor changes now, but I'm trying to help by showing what the Bible has to say. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Proverbs 29, nine. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. Meaning that you wanna try to have words with this fool. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you do. You could pat him on the head, It's not going to fix them. You could try to say, all right now, listen here, and it's not going to fix them. Whether you try to just put a pacifier in them so they stop crying, or you just give them what they want, or you try to talk them out of it, there is going to be no rest. When things go wrong with this type of fool, notice this, he becomes angry and more damage is done no, and throw things. This is that type of fool. Notice we're going to have some more characteristics. Proverbs 27, three, a stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. We've all witnessed that type of thing one time or another where the wrath of some fool, whether it's a child, a teenager, or an adult in this type of fooldom, where they just, their wrath is so heavy. And they're letting everyone know the damage they can do because they didn't get their way. Because someone tried to correct them. Someone tried to instruct them the mouth of the silly fool gets them into trouble. This is going to be the Martin characteristic, their mouth. They're going to hear biblical authority and with their mouth, they're going to let everyone know that they disagreed with it. Whether it's yelling, fighting, whether it's smart aleck comments, whether it's, you don't know what you're doing. We've all seen this type of thing. This is this type of fool. By the way, The fools get worse from here. This is still correctable level by the way. And it needs to be corrected. It is the distinguishing characteristic of the silly fool. Their mouth is this distinguishing characteristic. See what the Bible says. Proverbs 20 verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. But every fool will be meddling. Wise men lay up knowledge. But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Proverbs 10, 14. Their mouth causes a lot of destruction. Again, we're talking about their temper because they were told no, because they were told they couldn't do something because someone tried to correct their behavior. Their mouth is now announcing that they are a fool. If the silly fool would just close his mouth, he would improve the situation and people's opinion of him. There's an old adage that said that you could let people believe you're a fool, but please don't open your mouth and prove it. If, if this fool would just learn to shut their mouth, we, we understand that. People can disagree without using your mouth and throwing a fit. And again, they don't realize it because it's all about them. They don't care what people think about them. But people have an opinion watching them throw a fit. And it is not a favorable opinion. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. He that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. That goes with that same adage I just said. That even a fool, when he holds his peace... He looks wise. He let him open his mouth and he's going to prove that he was a fool. The silly fool characteristics. So let's cover these characteristics here. The silly fool, he seeks for a good time. What does that mean? He's just looking to what pleases him at that time right? anything. So come, out, come inside. It's hailing outside. No, I want to be outside. He doesn't realize there's consequences. doesn't realize someone's trying to help him out. All he cares about is that you're ruining his good time. He doesn't want to come inside. He's having a good time outside. You could apply that to whatever situation, but that's all they want. Well, I want people to leave me alone. Why are you trying to take away my fun? Why are you trying to keep me from enjoying myself? Again, children can become this type of fool. Teenagers definitely end up to this type of fool if they're not raised correctly. And then young punk 20-year-olds, we work with some of them, don't we? (laughs) But they're just seeking to have a good time and they get upset if someone tries to take away their good time by making them do something or come in or correcting a behavior. (laughs) They have fun breaking the rules. Now, sometimes this isn't that apparent, but You don't need to be outside, and then all of a sudden they're outside. They enjoy breaking the rules, why? Because there's no authority over them. Nothing's gonna happen to them. They enjoy pushing the envelope to see how far they can get before mom and dad snap, before mom and dad lose their mind. Let's see what we can do to push that envelope. That teenager trying to push the teachers, What can I do in class before the teacher finally has a stroke? That 20 year old, let me see how much I could get away with before the boss just finally (laughs) has enough and they're not going to do anything to me. And we're living in an age where people can't get fired for anything except for murder. And we watch this where they take full advantage to push the envelope and break the rules on purpose because nothing's going to happen to them and they enjoy it. They enjoy pushing that envelope. By the way, as we all know, we live in a country full of fools right now. We witnessed this. This is why this is such a necessary idea that we need to do, we need to uh, understand where people are at and how they got there. By the way, they're committed to wrong friends. Why? Because if they had good friends, those good friends wouldn't want to get in trouble. The good friends want to do what's right. So they want to find the crowd that will get into trouble with them. I'm at Misery Loves Company, let's get in trouble by himself. So let's just say we gather a bunch of kids and most of the kids know not to break into a building and spray the fire extinguisher around. But you could find a bunch of kids that get together. They'll find each other and that's a great idea. Let's get in there and spray the fire extinguisher everywhere. This is so great. And then they get wonder why someone yelled at them for doing that. They find their crowd. They want people to help break the rules with them. That is why it's so important to guard your friends. Like attracts like. By the way, I can tell what you are like by the friends you have, even in a small church like this. Like attracts like. And then they do have guilt for wrongdoing. And that's one of the things here is that they do feel bad. There is guilt. That shows, by the way, that there's hope. Because when that conscience is severed in a different foldom, then we're speaking about a different level. But they do feel bad. They do feel guilty. They will, man, ugh, I made mom mad. I could tell that she's mad. Ugh. There is a little guilt, maybe not enough to change it, but there is some guilt and they feel bad. So now they're miserable because they did wrong. So these are the characteristics. What about the treatment? How do we work with these types of fools? Well, first of all, train them to be a giver, And not a taker. Remember that this type of fool thinks that everything revolves around them. Everyone should give me stuff. I'm entitled. I deserve this. We need to teach them how to be a giver. Teach them how to give to the Lord, how to give to others. And by the way, not give and then take it back later. Once you give it, it's no longer yours. You gave it away. You gave it away freely. Teach them to be a giver. Again, we live in a society that it's all about, all about me, all about me. Take, 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 take. We need to teach people how to be a giver. So this type of fool, you need to teach them how to be a giver. Instead of giving them more stuff, teach them how to deal with less stuff. And how to give away. How to be kind to someone else other than themselves. Inform parents of misdeeds. Now, this is going to be key. We cannot deal, if you could forgive the term, spank other people's kids. That's true. I understand I grew up in the time in the South where neighbors were all had permission to do so. But we've gone a long way from that. By the way, it's not proper always go through biblical authority. If you are not in their authority, you go tell their authority. You said but their authority may not do anything. I understand that, and that's the problem we have. But it's if you are not in their direct chain of command, not yours, you go tell someone's authority and allow them to have the responsibility to deal with it. We cannot fix someone else's problems. It's not proper and it's not right. And they will not learn respect for biblical authority if biblical authority won't act like biblical authority. By the way, that's why we're training you. That's why we're teaching you now. That's why we have classes on the home. That's why we, we're trying to train because we know that homes are a mess today. Amen. The Bible speaks about, in fact, turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Titus chapter number two. <coughs> Titus chapter number two. Titus chapter number two, Paul is writing to Titus who was a pastor of a church and he is giving instructions to the pastor of the church of how to deal with things in the home. Notice if you don't mind in verse number one for a good running start. Titus chapter two, verse one. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men become sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience, that the aged women, that means not old in in years, but older in maturity. So those who are mature in the Lord... Likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wise, teachers of good things, that they, who's this they? The aged women, the mature women. Notice whose responsibility it is to teach others in the home. It's not the pastor. Notice, it is the aged women are to teach the younger women. Notice, what are they supposed to teach them? Now, by the way, this is why we have discipleship. This is why we do other things, because the home's a mess. And one thing you find out that when you have a child, they don't come up with an instruction manual coming behind them. (laughs) So where do they learn? These things, you you almost want to say that, well, I'm automatically going to know how to be a mother. You will not. You need to be taught. What do they need to be taught? Notice this, that they be sober. This idea sober carries the idea to take seriously. They need to take seriously the role of being a biblical authority. So many mothers laugh at their kids when they're doing wrong. And that is evil. That harms a child. It makes the child think that what they're doing is right. A mother has to be able to say, no, we're not going to laugh about this. This is a serious thing. And they need to, the kids need to see that this is a serious matter. We're not going to laugh about it. We're going to take this seriously. To love their husbands. You say, but they're young and in love. Yeah, that word love means something different than what Hollywood says. The idea of love carries the idea of commitment, of making, (laughs) I'm going to take responsibility, (laughs) carries the idea I'm going to respond properly. What do you mean? I'm always going to love him. Don't you understand how handsome he is? Great. Well, every guy, let me tell you a secret, if you never figure this out, puts on a salesman version. That when they're courting the girl, they take showers. They put on clean clothes. They even might use deodorant every now and again. And then you get married and you find out that he's a slob his socks are laying around and those socks are actually standing on end because he's worn them for so long and now he's taking them off and they stand up on their own and and he leaves his underwear all over and then he you know it's hard to love someone like that they need to be taught how to love the unlovely that has to be taught it's not automatic By the way, that's why we have a high divorce rate because the feeling goes away quickly. And then when you don't have the feeling and you're looking at the slob, you go, what do I do with this? They need to be taught how to love their husbands. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. Notice this, to love their children. Oh, I love this little bundle of joy. Again, we're not talking about feelings now. We're talking about if you love your kids, you will correct them. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews about God to us that when we get saved as Christians that God doesn't say all right now that you're saved you do whatever you want you're still going to heaven. Okay. When we get saved we also get a brand new father who will by the way take us outside the woodshed when we need it. He will not allow us to continue in sin. If we love our children we will correct them. That needs to be taught. Because, again, they don't come up with the instruction manual. How do I correct my child? Most people don't know. And that's why they need to be taught. Again, we're not trying to say something mean. There's plenty of people who are well-intentioned who have never been taught. It doesn't mean that they're evil and mean. They just need to be taught. And if they're willing to learn, they could salvage their home and salvage their kids. They need to be taught how to love them and give them biblical discipline. Notice this to be discreet. Now who's supposed to be discreet? The young women. Hey, I understand that he may be a scumbag, but you don't need to tell everybody about it. Mm -hmm. To learn to be discreet. There are things that need to be talked about and there are things that don't need to be talked about. This idea of discreet carries the idea of a thin ribbon. To be able to know what to say at the right time, at the right place, for the right people. We don't need to go tell everyone and, all right, Sunday school class, adult Sunday school class, do you have any prayer requests? Can you pray that my husband stop being a jerk? Not the right time. All right? <laughs> you know what my snot-nosed kid did this week? Not the right time. Does it make sense? Well, they need to be taught to be discreet. Need to be taught how to be chaste. This carries the idea of how to carry themselves well. You need to carry yourself like a mother, like a parent. So many uh, parents want to be their kid's friend. You cannot be your kid's friend all the time, but you have to be the parent all the time. Now, if you raise your kids right, you'll get along with them later on. But at the beginning, you need to be the parent first. But they're not going to like me. No, they'll love you if you correct them correctly. But they need to be taught how to that chaste, keepers at home. So many people want to neglect their home. Now we're not just talking about housework. We understand that part of what a lady does is make a house a home. To make it a place where the people want to be at. You should have a type of place where the neighborhood kids feel welcome to come. Where they feel safe to be there. Not because they feel like they can get away with anything they feel like they're going to be loved because there's rules. There's things here They actually care about where they're at, what they're doing, what's happening in their life. Notice this, how to be keepers of home, how to be good. You say, well, I automatically know how to be good. No, we don't. You have to be taught how to be good, how to be obedient to their own husbands. Why? Because he's a scumbag. I understand that. Yep. It's easy to obey him if he was doing everything perfect. Do you know biblical authority doesn't have the right to be illegal, immoral, or biblical, but they have the right to be stupid? You have to be taught how to be obedient to him when he's stupid. He's not doing anything illegal, not doing anything immoral, not doing anything illegal, just stupid. Well, you got to allow him to fail. You got to allow him to say, all right, well, you're going to learn your own lesson notice this, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Why? If we say that the Bible works and we believe it, you know where the very first place that is going to prove it? Our homes. If our homes are not in order, then then we're saying that the Bible doesn't work. If we obey what the Bible says, our homes will be in order. And that is one of the most attractive things to a lost world. If they see someone's kids are behaving correctly, they think about their kids at home and they go, I want that. How do I get that? How do I fix that? When they find a loving relationship between a husband and wife, which is rare today, they go, I want that. How do I get that? It's one of the greatest ways to witness to a world is if we obey what the Bible says and our homes are in order. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to say there's a reason for this, that our homes are going to be the very first gauge. You know, we all make jokes about the pastor's kids and the deacon's kids. You know, we don't allow the pastor's kids hang out with the deacon's kids because we don't want the deacon's kids to drag them into evil, you know, smile. You guys haven't had enough church jokes, I guess. We make jokes about that, but how many stories do we hear about a pastor's kids going crazy? Well, you know, that's a poor testimony. Why does someone want to go to that church if they can't even raise their kids right? By the way, that's why it's a qualification of a pastor that he has his home in order. Why? Because that is the first way people are going to tell whether we're a Bible teaching church is what are the kids like? What are the homes like? Good. All right, so we just got to point two on the treatment. So we inform the parents of the misdeeds, understanding that it's the parents' responsibility. It is biblical authorities' responsibility to correct that behavior. Separate them from wrong friends. But you don't understand, they're soulmates. No, it is your job to guard them from evil friends. Protect them. Keep them away from those people. Your job. They don't have enough discernment to know that this is a friend that's going to hurt them. Separate them from wrong friends. No, I'm sorry. Little Billy cannot come to this house anymore. But you don't understand. I don't have to understand. I'm the parent. I see something you don't. By the way, you could try to explain it to them, but they are never understand. If You're the parent though. You're guarding them. And then help them to get a clear conscience. Remember that they are convicted about wrongdoing. They feel guilty about doing wrong. So how do we teach them? We teach them how to ask forgiveness of God. We teach them about salvation. We teach them about forgiveness. We teach them that we love them. By the way. Part of biblical correction, we'll have a whole lesson of that in our Proverbs series coming up where we'll actually explain and demonstrate biblical correction. But part of that biblical correction should end up with, I forgive you and we're never bringing this up again. Teaching them that, how we could forgive them, how we could ask for forgiveness, how we could pray, how we could be cleansed, how we could set this and it can never haunt us again. Aren't you glad that God doesn't bring up our sins over and over and over? He deals with it, takes care of it. And we need to teach them how they can have a clear conscience. And we know that the goodness of the Lord bring it to repentance. If we show them that God still loves them and God still wants them to be close and that they can get close to God by confessing their sins. (laughs) The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to teach them how to have a clear conscience. So now we have application. So we talked about specifically the fools, but let's just check ourselves. We're not accusing you of fooldom, but we are asking some questions. First of all, are you a teachable person? Remember, this type of fool is not teachable. That's why you can't counsel with them. They are not teachable. Are you teachable? Can you be taught? Or are you a type of person that you throw a fit if someone tries to correct you. Which brings us to the second thing. Are you rebukable? How do you handle rebuke? You can tell a lot about a person by how they handle rebuke. A teachable person, if it's pointed out that there's something wrong in their life, we understand nobody likes to be rebuked, all right? But you should get to the place where you are thankful for rebuke because people see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And if they point it out, you'll be glad to fix it because you don't see it in yourself. Now these are characteristics that if we're making an application, remember that the fools despise wisdom. But those who are wise will seek after instruction, seek after knowledge. If I'm doing something wrong, I want something to tell me. If I have green in my teeth, I want someone to care enough for me to tell me I've got green in my teeth, to point out that I've did something wrong. If I'm saying something in a wrong way that's hurting people, I may not know it. Maybe that I grew up in a different culture. Someone needs to pull me aside and say, hey, you know what? You shouldn't use that term. People don't. Well, thank you. I didn't know that. I was saying it out of ignorance. Does it make sense? How do you handle rebuke? Are you teachable? Do you allow people to say, you know what, this needs to be fixed in your life or do you go, I don't care what you say, I do it my own way. It doesn't look good when an adult does it. Are you teachable? Are you rebukable? Can someone come up to you right now and say, you know what, <laughs> you don't see this, but what you're doing is really wrong. Will you take it? Or you find some way to excuse it, laugh it off, shoot the messenger. He doesn't know what he's talking about. What is he doing? Business. Are you teachable? And are you rebukable?